0: Uh, I'll be uh, reading from Ephesians 1 uh, this morning, so if you have a Bible I want to turn there, uh, please do that now. But um, in the meantime, uh, my name is Monty. I'm one of the uh, elders at Grace Hill Church, and uh, so blessed to to be here, uh, be part of this. Um, and I have the honor of, uh, of finishing our series, Called to Belong. I also have the honor of closing out this place. So... <laughs> Uh, but this place uh, has, uh, has really grown in, in sweetness uh, in my heart, so uh, it'll be bittersweet to leave here, but it, it'll be a blessing to have a, a new home for Grace Hill where we can grow um, and, uh, and, and, and do more things, so what a blessing that is. So, please join me in reading through the text this morning. We'll be doing, I'll be starting at Ephesians 1, verse 3. Be reading through uh, verse 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I want you to notice that he chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his grace, glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, and that's Jesus. I want you to also notice there that he chose us For adoption to himself, and this was according to the purpose of his will, and it's to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth once again please please notice that that he chose us and this was according to the riches of his grace he chose us and he lavished upon us all wisdom And insight, in his wisdom and insight, he lavished upon us that grace. I'm sorry, I missaid that. It's it's his wisdom and insight that he did that. And, And all of this was according to his purpose. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He chose us according to the purpose of Him. He works all things according to the counsel of His will, and that's so that we will be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And that's to the praise of his glory. Can, uh, can you put verses um, 12 through 14 back up there? If you are a Christian, all of this is, is yours. It's ours. And it's true for both you and me. This is the gospel. The good news That you, that we, have been redeemed and adopted, and that all of that according to the purpose of His will, according to the riches of His grace, so that we might be to the praise of His glory, God's glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, And he's the guarantee of your inheritance and my inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And all of this to the praise of his glory. If any of you are not a Christian and you're here visiting today or listening, then I invite you to consider what you just heard. This is the truth. And this is the gospel of your salvation. If you believe in him, in Jesus. Please consider that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this gospel message that tells us the salvation that is ours if we have heard and believed. I pray for any who are here this morning who do not personally know you. I pray specifically that they see your glory this morning and are in awe of you. Give them ears to hear. I also pray specifically for those who are here and who are your own, sealed with your Holy Spirit, who may have lost their awe of you, that they would see your glory this morning. Show us all your glory and cause Grace Hill Church to love one another well by showing one another the way to see you. It is in your Son's precious name that we pray. Amen. So three times in this passage this morning uh, that we just read, everything that Paul is going to tell us throughout the rest of the letter to the Ephesians is so that we might be to the praise of God's glory. That's my focus this morning. What does that mean? What does the Bible mean when it says to the praise of God's glory? All things God created are meant to point to his glory. More than that, we who were created in his image, all of us, are to praise him and reflect his glory. Now, Grace Hill Church just finished walking through a series on how we all are called to belong. Not only called to belong to the body of Christ, but called to belong to how. We live as a body together, how each person is vital to the health of that body. We all understood that we are to belong to a church, a local expression of his body, and live in Christian community with one another. In the beginning of Ephesians 4, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. He described this life as being completely humble and gentle, being patient, Bearing with one another in love, and being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All of this is to be to the praise of God's glory, and not our glory. Therefore, the passage goes on to read, There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. What hope is that? It's the hope that we put in Christ to be the redeeming grace for our sins. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all. After all of that, let me ask some questions. Let me ask you these questions. These questions are not just having to do with the body in in this church or just the body of Christ. Maybe more importantly, these questions are concerning how you are with your immediate family, with, with your spouse, with your children with your co-workers, all of them. Christian, will you fail at being humble? (laughs) Yes, we will. Christian, will you fail at being gentle? Yes, we will. Christian, will you fail at being patient? Yes, we will. Christian, will you fail... At bearing with one another in love? Yes, we will. And Christian, will you maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? I'm afraid the answer to that one is that we will fail at that as well. See, none of us is perfect. Even with the Holy Spirit living within us, because none of us have been completely sanctified or had our sinful tendencies removed from us. Christians are supposed to be a better example of these traits, although we can drift away and take our eyes off of the only one who can change our hearts. Let me share a story with you of how I failed at these questions. I still do. Before I was married to my beautiful wife, Lori, i did not know that i was used to living a duplicitous life i did all along i just didn't realize it as easily what i mean by that is a private persona and a public persona the two personas i had were completely different i just didn't realize it because i wasn't with the same person 24 7 who could witness that until i was married but then after looking back on the 12 Rocky years of marriage that we had I realized that I resented her seeing and knowing that about me and I was bitter about her knowing that when we got married I was the youth director of a church and I was the darling of the uh, senior citizens group I was loved by all the parents of of the youth group and I got to the point that I was becoming prideful and not gentle I was becoming impatient with her, and I was not bearing with her in love, and I was drifting away from maintaining a unity with Lori, not only that, much less a unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. I was having to burn the candle at both ends, and that was just to try to keep my public persona before Lori, and I can't do that, you can't do that. And so she wouldn't see who she really married. Therefore, Lori became the problem in my world. And now I was stuck with all these things that I said I believed about never getting a divorce, being a Christian leader, and, and being a loving husband. I was becoming more and more resentful. I was hiding, I was naked. Our marriage suffered because of that for 12 years. Now, during that time, Monty and Lori McCullough lived a couple's duplicitous life as well. You wouldn't have known it. You would have thought we were the perfect couple. And I didn't resent our boys because they were too young to know about this duplicitous life. And that's the grace of God. You see, when you're exposed, you go into hiding, and when you have to come out, you have fig leaves on, and you're covered with a different persona. It's a persona that is more acceptable and loved by those you see and those that see you. When, when will someone ask you, who told you that you were naked? That's a great question that God asked Adam. It's a great question. Who told him? Did the serpent tell him? Did God tell him? See, Adam was made in the image of God, and God breathed into Adam life, and God gave him a spirit and a soul. Adam innately knew that he had done wrong, and he was ashamed and he hid himself. I'm more than certain that while he was hiding among the trees with Eve, uh, that they were not eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And after God doled out the punishment, what do you suppose it was like in that marriage? You know what it was like. We all live it. Grace Hill Church is a young church. And many of us have been in our churches, in other churches where we have seen divisions, discord, and messy situations. And I am certain that most of us will wear public personas here. It's much easier in a little church, in a new church, with different people. Some call it the honeymoon period. Why do they call it that? What happens when the honeymoon is over? What's the implication? Well, that's when the personas come out and hiding starts because we don't want to be seen in our naked state. When someone gets close enough to know we wear two masks, they start to be a problem. And in our world, that's not acceptable. And then division happens. It is not to be. So when God asked the question of Adam, who told you that you were naked? He followed that with another question. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? We all know what happened after that. God banished them from the Garden of Eden to not be in his presence anymore. Before he did that, though, he made them garments of skin and he clothed them. He was not going to forsake them. God has no intention to leave you and me and he doesn't intend to leave us in our naked state, he will not forsake us either. So what happened? Why were Adam and Eve deceived into believing that the forbidden fruit was better than having God? Why did they believe that being like God, knowing good and evil, would be better? They took their eyes off the glory of God. They lost their awe of him when they did that. Everything was created to the praise of his glory, and they ceased to see that. They saw it for their own glory. So how do we keep God's glory before us and each other as a church? How do we remain in awe of God? The answer is in everything we've been reading in Ephesians 4. Bear with me as I as I. Li- let you walk through this with me, and it's a good portion of Ephesians 4, and show you how what we've learned is how we grow and thrive together. We will see how we're intended to be to the praise of God's glory and not to our own glory. Ephesians 4, uh, 15 and 16. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is to praise of his glory. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint, every person with which it is equipped. When each part, each person is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. And this is to the praise of his glory. Going on Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the naked and hiding do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They've stopped looking at the glory of God. They've become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They're hiding. But that's not the way you learn Christ. Remember, you saw his glory. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, your old persona, the false persona, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness to the praise of His glory therefore having put away verse 25, therefore having put away any falsehood false persona Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Show the true persona, the new one. For we are all members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Come out of hiding and give no opportunity to the devil. Look to the glory of Christ. Be in awe. Let the thief no longer steal, verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Grace to those who hear, to the praise of his glory. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you to the praise of His glory. This is how we grow and thrive. Not just as a church, but as community groups, families, Marriages and within the greater community around us. We represent and point everything to the praise of his glory. Once our eyes come off his glories. Once our eyes come off his glory and we lose our awe of him. We will desire that which he warned us not to desire. We will. We do. We were made for him. We know it. And so when we make that mistake, we will make. We want to go into hiding because we're exposed and naked. Who will woo you out and clothe you? Maybe you're weighed down with some past that you're ashamed someone will find out could be something like an abortion or you pressured someone into having one. Maybe you're weighed down with a habit of watching things that you should not be watching. And nobody knows. Maybe you struggle with your marriage. Maybe your life growing up was very broken time. And a lot of this is hiding. Who will woo you out and clothe you? Christ will. And in all wisdom and insight from God, in all wisdom and insight, he intends to do that through his church, his body, through you and me. Ephesians 4:15, rather speaking the truth in love, you are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, to the praise of his glory, from whom the whole body, joined together by every joint, every person, you, with, each with which he's equipped, when each part, you, each person, is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love we're plan A (laughs) there is no plan B Lori and I are in our uh, 38th year of marriage and you may be wondering what happened with those 12 years of rocky marriage the answer to that question is the body of Christ happened When we look back, we can attribute it to nothing else. After a weekend of visiting my sister and brother-in-law in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my sister, Matilda, sent me this letter. It's dated May 13, 1991. See, I had grown so callous to being the way I truly was that I did not bring out the public persona in front of really familiar people. So my sister was convicted to confront me by the grace of God and to the praise of His glory. She, I'm going to tell you some words she wrote. She wrote these words. Let me be honest. I was crushed this weekend just in general observation. She also said this. She, Lori, she honestly doesn't know if she means anything to you. This is a multi-page letter. It's not one little page, it's one multi-page letter. But you hear the meat of it. She was encouraging and challenging. She was speaking the truth in love and after praying and considering her words. At one point in this letter, she pauses, and then she puts another date on it. She waited days between the end. The Lord got my attention. Have you eaten the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Then one night, Lori and I went out to eat with friends, Tom and Claire Bullock. Tom was a dear brother in the Lord. Well, that night after we had gone out to eat, he and I were going fishing the very next morning, early. The next morning, right after we had launched the boat and were sitting on the lake, right before dawn, Tom said this to me. He said, Monty, didn't think that would happen. <laughs> He said, Monty, if you're going to continue to treat Lori the way you did last night, Claire and I will no longer be spending time with you. That was a fun day of fishing. Tom was speaking the truth in love, and he had considered his words. He had thought about them in advance, and he delivered them at an appropriate time. Now the Lord had my attention. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? I spent a few days reflecting on and observing myself. I came home from work one day and I sat Lori down and I looked at her in her eyes. Those pretty green eyes. And I told her this. I said, I'm going, to, I'm going to change. And when she looked back at me, I could read exactly what her eyes were saying. Her eyes were saying, Whatever. I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard this all before. Are you through? You know that look. I can remember this day, the prayer that I said to God when I saw that in her eyes. In the split second, I realized that disposition she had. I said this to God. I said, God, I spent 12 years teaching her to respond this way. If it takes 12 more years to change that, I'm in. So we lived happily ever after. (laughs) And you laugh because you know that's not true. You see, in all my wisdom... I had decided that I needed to pray for God to make me fall in love with Lori because I didn't love her anymore. I figured if I loved her, that would solve the issues. Uh, I remembered how much easier it was when I did. Uh, Of course, looking back, the easiest time was when we were engaged and she was away at school and I was a youth director in another city. What was I thinking? Yet, I prayed for this for a year. I prayed that she would, I would fall in love with her for a year. And during that year, we got involved in a gospel preaching church in Reston, Virginia. Looking back, we were being directed to see the glory of God and his love for us and all more than we deserved. One day, I was having lunch with our pastor. I had been laid off from my job a few weeks before, and I had worked for a clinic. I was spewing all kinds of anger about the clinic and what had happened to get me where I was at that point. And I'll never forget the words that John Stringer, or my pastor, said to me that day. He said, Monty, you can't be the clinic's savior. Well, I remember what he said, but that's not what I heard the Holy Spirit say to my heart. You see, we were, we were eating at a place in Reston Town Center and I had gumbo and he had something else and my gumbo bowl, bowl was still full because I, I was hovering my spoon over the gumbo, just talking and he hadn't been talking, he'd been eating. And when he said that, I dropped my spoon in the gumbo and I just stared at it. Because what the Lord had said to me is, Monty, you can't be your marriage's savior. I I knew at that point that I needed to change my prayer, that my prayer needed to be that I would fall in love with Jesus. I did not love Jesus. I had lost my awe of him long ago. This church community in Reston, my pastor, John Stringer, my friend, Tom, my sister, Matilda, all parts of the body of Christ were speaking truth and love and I was being pointed to the glory of Christ I started praying that prayer that I would fall in love with Jesus because God hadn't answered the other one and I knew now why he hadn't answered it God answered the prayer to fall in love with Jesus so now through Christ I was verse 29 Letting no corrupt talk come out of my mouth, but only as such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, to her. And that's to the praise of God's glory. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from me, along with all malice. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. God also answered my original prayer, and beyond anything I thought it could be. I do love glory, and I do love Jesus. In God's wisdom and insight, this is our job as the body of Christ. We remind each other of God's glory. We point To him with awe. Some of us drift, and we need that. Remember, he chose us that we we should be holy and blameless before him, not away from his presence hiding. He chose us for adoption to himself. All of that according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. And we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, and that to the praise of His glory. The writer of Hebrews cautions us this way. I'll give you this caution. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be, any in, be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, hiding and naked. But sh- exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today... Exhort one another to see the glory of God, be in awe of Him, that none of you may be hardened and be and with by the deceitfulness of sin, meaning taking your eyes off the glory of God. You're called to belong. Take your God appointed position in the body and build one another up in Christ to the praise of God, God's glory alone. I've already been reaping these gifts in this church. Grace this Grace Hill, just two weeks ago it read, I was tired and I did not have the right spirit about me for that evening. Those of you who are at my table may, may remember that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, my dear brother in the Lord, Anthony Harvey, was sitting at my left, and at one point he just said to me, why don't you just go somewhere else? (laughs) Enough said. I needed that well-placed two-by-four. He was rebuking my attitude and disposition. The Lord used him to make me realize that I was not building up those who could hear me. I was not giving grace, and I was grieving the Holy Spirit. I asked for His forgiveness, and I'm grateful for Him and to the praise of God's glory. This is not the only incident here at Grace Hill for me, but I need to end here because I'm sure the people with the kids need me to end. So would you all pray with me? Let me pray. Father, change our hearts because we have been together in your word this morning. We are so thankful for you, for who you are and what you have done for us. I pray that Grace Hill Church will stay in awe of you and you will bless Herndon with our new home at the Herndon Middle School. Give us a heart for the lost and the marginalized. May we do all of this to the praise of your glory. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.